kind of fitting that we would uh, sing that song there, Have Faith in God. Um, when I went to open my Bible just now, all of my, my notes are <laughs> not there. And so um, it was a great opportunity to, to answer maybe the question that I was going to ask you guys. Uh, I get to ask myself this moment, where is your what? Faith. Where is your faith, right? <laughs> um, and so anyway, interesting, interesting. So Acts chapter 27 is where we're going to be today, and uh, we're going to do our best to journey through it. It's, uh, it's really... A, it's quite the precarious position at the moment because I told Brother Todd this morning, he asked, how can I pray for you? I said, I don't feel as prepared maybe for today as maybe I would like to be. I'm not as familiar, feel like, with the text. And so I'm going to have to rely more on the manuscript that I usually have written out. And um, it is not here. And so anyway, but so turn to Acts chapter 27. And as you make your way there, um, Jesus in Luke chapter 8 crawls into the boat with the disciple boys. And they head out on the sea. And pretty soon, do you remember what showed up? A storm. The storm is, is really, it's, it's serious. Um, so much so that about verse 23 that it says the boat is taken in water and they are feared that the boat is going to drown. And so I think it's verse 24 of Luke chapter 8. They run to Jesus and they say, Master, Master, do you not care that we are going to drown? Jesus gets up and it says that he rebukes the wind and the waves and it says that everything is calm. And then he turns to look at the disciples in verse 25 of Luke chapter 8 and simply says this statement. Where is your what? Where is your faith? And the disciples look at each other and the text indicates that they are bewildered. They, they literally ask one another, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Jesus, looking at them in the midst of the storm, asking them the question that Paul is going to have to answer this morning. Where is your faith? And I think it's a question that all of us at any moment when we have been in the storms of life, we have had to answer that question. Where is your faith? It's the Apostle Paul, as he writes at the conclusion of his ministry, his final letter recorded in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he simply says this statement. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have what? Kept I've the kept faith. the faith. I've kept the faith. And we're going to ask, Paul, how did you keep the faith? How did you keep the faith? And Paul's answering the question, where is your faith? And so we're going to walk today through Luke, or through Acts chapter 27, looking at that question Jesus asked in Luke 8, verse 25. If you pick up with us in Acts chapter 27, if you look the first eight verses or so, it's a lot of just recounting Paul's journey, right? He, he was there in Caesarea Philippi, remember, with Grippa and, and, and Festus, and he's answering that question of, about who Jesus truly is. And so they set out on the sea, right, headed toward, right, because Paul has, after all, appealed to Caesar. And so, well, you appeal to Caesar, so to Caesar you must go. And so they're ultimately headed all the way up here to Rome, and so they're starting this journey. You hear them go around the Lee of Cyprus, they come to Myra, they're going to kind of come on through. And then verse 8 says that they stop there in a place called Fair Haven. And then text, the text kind of starts to unfold for us at a little bit more rapid pace. Watch this, if you would. Verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. So it's, it's late fall, right? Similar time of year here. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive, this is, this is a crucial verse, verse 10 of, of Acts 27. Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss. Not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. It says, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot 
and to the owner of the ship to what then to what Paul said. And and most of us would say, well, absolutely. Right. Wouldn't you pay attention to what the owner of the ship said and the pilot as opposed to some guy that's a criminal? Right. Paul's in change. He's a criminal. But the point that Luke brings this out, right, Luke is the writer here, the same man that wrote the gospel of Luke. And he raises this verse up to almost call our attention to say, listen, you need to be aware some danger is coming. Something is going to come about. So we ought to perk our ears up when we see it. And says, well, the harbor wasn't suitable to spend the winter in. And so the majority of the people decide, hey, listen, guys, let's put out the sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. And so they begin to pick up on their journey. And here's what's going to happen is, is they're going to encounter this truth right off the very beginning. And I think it's important for you and I as we walk through Paul in the midst of the storm, Paul as he heads toward a shipwreck, as we strive to answer in our own lives, where is your faith? The first thing I think we have to remember in the midst of storms for all of us is this. God is in control. God is in control. Literally, the word God is sovereign. He is, he is ruling. He is reigning. Nothing is beyond his control or his power. But even that, let's be honest, this truth right here today is going to be tested in the text. So as you look to Acts 27, we're going to kind of pick up further. But before we do that, remember back to these words in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Four chapters later, it says, The following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said to Paul, Take courage, right? Paul was under a, a really rough situation at that point in time as well. And the Lord comes and stands beside him and says, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify where? In Rome. In Rome. And here's the challenge for Paul and the challenge for you and I. Is what God had told Paul in the light is going to now be questioned in the darkness. What God often speaks to you and I in the light, in those moments, right, preparing us, because God in His grace, God in His great sovereignty, He knows everything that's going to come to you in my life. And so there are moments when God speaks the truth in the light, but then we've got to try to live it out or walk it out in the darkness. So Acts 23 and 11 is a crucial verse to frame what's getting ready to happen in the life of of the Apostle Paul. It says, verse 13 of Acts 27, the south wind blew gently, supposing they obtained their purpose, right? That they weigh the anchor, they sail out, they take off. But soon, verse 14, watch this, but soon a tempestuous wind. The NIV says, a wind of hurricane force. The New Living Translation literally gets right at what the Greek is, is literally saying. It uses the word typhoon. It says, they were in a storm of typhoon strength. This is the word that's being used there. This is a serious, serious storm. It says it's called the Northeaster. Why? Because the winds are flowing from both the north and the east, which is literally pushing them the exact opposite direction of what they want to go. Ever felt like that in a storm? It's pushing you the exact opposite direction than what you wanted to go. You would have never picked for your family to be here this Thanksgiving. You would have never dreamed that seat was going to be empty. That's what often happens when storms come. It says, when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Let's be honest. All of us have been in storms and we have felt like that. Just like, man, just wherever it goes. I, I'm tired of fighting. I'm weak. It's so the text unfolds here further. Watch, watch, watch this. It says, verse 16, that they begin to, to fall under this small island called Cauda, managing with difficulty to steer the ship's boats. Um, after hoisting it up, 
It says they used supports to undergo the ship. We're not sure exactly how if they were throwing ropes from one side of the ship to the other or literally trying to hold the ship together. We're not sure exactly what the, the intentionality was there, but they were, they were afraid the storm was so rough that it was going to literally splinter and rip the boat apart. This is a large ship. He's going to tell us later there was some 276 people, so this isn't some little, like, little bunny skipper they're on, right? This is a large ship. After hoisting it up, it says they used the supports to undergird the ship, then fearing they would run aground on, on, the, on the Sirtis, that is, they're close to Africa is kind of where they're, they're moving that area. They lower the gear, and thus they were driven along. And then this comes, verse 18. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. They're just throwing the cargo overboard. Even in verse 19, they begin to take the tackle and they're throwing it overboard. The things that are the most valuable, you've been there in storms. The things that you hold the most valuable in the storms, sometimes they don't even seem to matter anymore. Things just start going overboard. Plates start dropping, so to speak. I mean, you've been there. You're just overwhelmed and you're not sure if you're going to even survive the storm. And so little things, big things, you're not worried about it, man. Just stuff starts going everywhere. It's chaos. That's where they are. What they're doing here is they're literally trying to lighten the ship. Why? Because they're afraid the ship's going to go under. So everything that's heavy, they don't need. They're just throwing it literally out into the sea. And then comes verse 20. And this verse right here stung me. And I want to allow it an opportunity maybe to sting you, to speak to you. I love, this is one of those moments when people often ask about the Bible. This is a statement here that I love that's in the Scriptures because of the authenticity of it. Listen to this statement, verse 20 of Acts 27. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Now, if you know much about that, say in time, they were using the sun and stars for what? What do you think? Navigation. So literally, if you were reading that in maybe a modern translation, it says when the GPS stopped working. Right? Like, what do you do when the GPS stopped working? Or maybe back in the day and time when you had a map and, and you found yourself in a city that you didn't know and it was getting late at night, it was dark and you had your family. Most likely, you probably argued a lot with your spouse or whoever you're with. Right? And you lock the doors and you prayed that things would work out well. These guys, they don't have sun or stars. There's no way to know which way they're going, right? It's just darkness. And that's the feeling we get in the midst of storms. It's just darkness all the time. Right? They talk about some folks struggle with what's called the winter blues. It just feels dark. I mean, it just feels like, man, everywhere you look, Eeyore is walking with you. It's always raining. So when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us. This is a statement I want to draw your attention to today because it literally, I was like, whoa, I can't believe this. When all hope, all right, so let's, let's walk through this just for a moment. When all hope of our being saved was at last what? Abandoned. Now what's interesting here is he uses the word our. This is Luke who's on the ship with them. This is the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And it's not only him. He says, guess who else is with me? And they've lost all hope of being saved as well. Paul. You ever been there? You've given up hope, man. You, all hope that you had at one point, man, it's, it's, you've abandoned it. And here's what I want to say to you and I. This is authentic Scripture. There are moments in life when you and I feel hopeless. We feel like this storm will never get out better. We feel like it will never end. We're not sure why this is happening to us. Why our family? Why are we here? 
that's where Paul is. I love that. I hate it for them. As much as I hate it for Job, I hate reading the story of Job. I, I just, man, I, when I read through that, I think, oh, that's so awful. But let's be honest, you and I have derived so much nourishment from the life of Job. And we are going to do it here with Paul. And if by God's grace, your faith and my faith, if we walk even in the valley of the shadow of death, others are going to derive nourishment from our lives too. And that's tough sledding that won't happen apart from the Spirit of God empowering us. And so here it is. All hope was at last abandoned. I love the statement in verse 9 of Psalm 42. Again, authenticity of the Scripture. Listen to this. Psalm 42, verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you what? Forgotten me. You ever felt that way? God's forgotten you? I mean, watch what happens further in the text there in verse 10. Literally, the other people are starting to ask them, where's your God? If your God's all-powerful, why ain't He taking care of you? If your God's all good, then, then where is He? I mean, this is authentic Scripture, guys. We, have, we feel this way. Let's be honest. We may not be willing to say it in the church, but we have felt this at times. God, why have you forgotten me? We've given up all hope. I mean, the cargo is going over. We're, we're throwing out the tackle. In a moment, I think it's about verse 38 or so, they start throwing out the food. Man, what a moment here of dealing with this. And the question is, well, what do we do in these moments? Watch this. Listen to what Peter says. First Peter four nineteen. Therefore, let those who suffer, right? So that's the context, suffering. According to God's will, entrust their souls to whom? A faithful creator. There's a God who's still in control, even when we suffer. And if you have suffered a New Testament book, if you're struggling, going through a hard time, read the book of 1 Peter. That is a letter to people that are struggling majorly in this world. Man, it's a beautiful book. And Peter says, listen, guys, as you suffer, and many times it's even according to, right, it's according to God's will, that's hard to, it's hard to taste that God would allow it. He says, entrust your souls, guys, to a faithful creator. Brings us to our second point. God is worthy to be trusted. Not only is God in control, but God is worthy to be trusted. Watch this in the text. Since they've been without food, verse 21 of Acts 27. They've been without food for a long time. Paul stands up among them and says, Men, you should have listened to me. Right? Love those people, don't you? Right? I told you so. Right? Love those people. But what Paul's doing here is intentional. Listen to this. You should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Paul is now circling back around to what we heard him say in verse 10. And the point of reason Paul is saying he's not being a negative Nancy or saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. No offenses to the Nancys out here. I don't know who came up with that. I did not coin that term. Um, but listen, listen. He's citing back to verse 10. Why? He's giving credence to the people to say, listen. Guys, I was right. Maybe you should listen now. He's calling them to attention. Yet now I urge you, verse 22, to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. That is a bold statement of faith. Why? Because the storm hasn't let up. Watch this. Well, how could Paul say that? Right again, these are just words. As you're studying on your own, you're looking for things. How could Paul say that? For, here's the reason why. Here's the rationale behind why I just said what I did. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. 
Several of you know that I'm, I've gone back to school, and uh, one of the things that I have to do prior to January is being able to translate the Greek New Testament. And I am struggling, and I deeply covet your prayers. I just want to pass, okay? I just want to pass, all right? But what's awesome is, is the tense that is being used here, all right? The tense is used here when he says, to whom I belong and to whom I worship, both are present tense. He says, in the midst of this storm, it may not appear my God's with me, but I'm still His. Presently, now! Amen. And he says, guys, I want you to know, I don't worship God just in the light when he says, Paul, as you testified about me, verse 11 of Acts 23, in Jerusalem, so you must also in Rome. No, I'm telling you that here in the midst of the storm, I am praising the God whom I worship. And the question is, how, Paul, how did this come about? And he says to them, verse 24, do not be afraid, Paul. This is what I heard. You must stand before Caesar. He's affirming again what he spoke in the light. He spoke, he's affirming it now in the darkness, in the midst of the storm. And behold, God has granted to you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have, what's Paul have? Faith. faith in God. That, it's going to be exactly as I've been told. Wow. Faith. I have faith in God. Now let's be honest Let's be honest, this is a beautiful moment. In verse 20, the text records for us, after many days we had given up all hope of being saved. It was at last abandoned. So there's moments when you and I struggle and we, our faith is very, very weak. We, we join with the man in Mark chapter 9 who, who brought his son to Jesus. Who was, his son was demon-possessed and there was all these things going on. And so the disciples couldn't heal him. He says to Jesus a statement. Lord... If you can do anything, please help my son. Jesus says back to him, if you can, all things are possible to those who what? Who believe. And then the man says this statement. I love it in Mark 9. He says, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my what? Unbelief. Wow. How many of us have ever been in that place? God, I don't have much. Lord, you said even a faith of a mustard seed. God, I don't even have that. Paul's there too. But when God shows up, when God speaks to him, this is why I'm compelling you in the midst of your storms. Continue to come to God in His Word. That He would speak to you. That He would give you nourishment and strength. That you could hold fast. Why? Because you realize He's holding you. You realize the truth. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The year is 1873. There's a gentleman by the name of Horatio Spafford. He sends his wife and four children across the channel there to England, across the pond, so to speak. Sometime later, he hears that the ship that his wife and four children were on, his four daughters were on, collided with another ship and began to sink immediately. He receives a telegram from his wife some days later with two words. Saved alone. Spafford will soon get on a ship to cross to England to be with his wife. And as Horatio Spafford there in 1873 crosses from America back to England, somewhere in the place where they believe the ship sank, he records these words that you may have heard before. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Can you imagine that? Man, cross it over. Where his four daughters had gone underneath. Where his four daughters had, he had lost them. 
when sorrows like sea billows roll. And that's why it's so precarious that he would write these, these remainder words. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, what? It is well, it is well with my soul. And you and I, hearing that story, must ask the question of Horatio Spafford, how is it well with your soul in the midst of that kind of storm? And he answers it with some of these lyrics. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance do what? Control. Something's controlling Horatio Spafford in the midst of this kind of catastrophic loss. And the question is, what is it? Look at he says, that, look at this, Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for what? For my soul. He says that there is a God who loves me, who would die for me even in the midst of my sin. That doesn't take everything else away. doesn't mean that I enjoy the trials or Satan buffeting. But I can stand and say, there's a God who loves me in the midst of my sin. And say, therefore, I can say it's well with my soul. There's a God who loves me, who cares for me. It's the beautiful moment where Paul is standing there encouraging those. And so this brings me to the place in the text that the text doesn't necessarily call it out. But I just I found it just striking this week. It's this statement here. God is good even when. He doesn't stop our storms. God is good even when or even in when he doesn't take away the storms. That's a challenging moment. Why? But we know from the text, Luke chapter 8, Jesus in a moment, they came to him, Master, you not care that we're drowning? It says that he, wake, he wakes up, he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and it says everything is calm. So we know that God has the power. He could have stopped it. He could calm Paul's storm. And yet he chooses not to. Some of you might have to even admit that this morning is a moment in which maybe God is trying to speak to you. I don't know if you know it or not, but January 3rd, 2016, we began in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Now, over a hundred weeks later, we would arrive at Acts chapter 27, and maybe it's in the exact moment that you most needed it. Even in that, you've got to acknowledge there is a God who's in control. There's a God who just desires to speak to you in the midst of your storm. And so God is good even when he doesn't stop our storms. Listen to what happens here. Day was about to dawn. Paul urges all of them. Verse 33, take some food. He says, listen, guys, we've been 14 days without any food, taking nothing. Therefore, I urge you, take some food, for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. When he said these things, he took bread. And this is a beautiful moment. Giving thanks to God. I love this. In the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. In the presence of everybody. Now listen, again, some of us feel like we can't come back because maybe we didn't have hope in a previous season or we kind of made a mess of things in a previous season. Paul was there with Luke in verse 20 and all hope of our collectively being saved was abandoned. And now here he is. Why? Because God showed up and God spoke to him and reminded him, Paul, I'm the same God that I was in the light, Paul. I'm still with you, Paul. I've not abandoned Acts 23 and verse 11. You're still going to go to Rome. But listen, moments, we just need to be reminded that God still loves us, that God's still for us, that he's not abandoned us. He's not forgotten us. That even though we may feel that way, that's not the truth. And so Paul stands and he just gives 
thanks to God in the presence of everybody. And watch this moment. This is a beautiful moment. Then, look what it says here, they all were what? Encouraged. Do you think that in the midst of your storm, God might be using you to encourage others? It says, we were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now again, listen, God doesn't take away the storm. He doesn't. I mean, it's, it's a challenging moment, but He doesn't. And why? Here's where we come. The last thing I want to say is that, that God's faithful. God is faithful. What He had spoke to Paul in the light, what He affirms again in the darkness, He is going to ultimately bring about. That God is faithful. And listen, though, just because God is faithful and because God is good doesn't mean that you and I will not experience storms or shipwrecks or moments when we give up hope or our faith really falters. Listen, that's when we need the church to come and pray alongside of us and to cry out to God on our behalf, to keep loving us, to keep encouraging us. Listen, think of all that Paul went through. Right, verse 10 and 11, Paul, listen, he gave him advice and nobody followed it. Verse 14, Paul finds himself in the midst of that hurricane force type winds. Verse 20, Paul had given up all hope of being saved. Later there, I think it's, was it verse 33? Yeah, it says they've been 14 days without food. And now, storm doesn't cease, and they're headed to shipwreck. And before that happens, guess what? They're going to try to kill Paul. God could have stopped any and each of those, and he chose not to. Why? Because I think for you and I, in these beautiful moments, we need to remember how great and mighty our God is, and that he is good and faithful even when our circumstances don't appear to dictate that. And that's tough sledding, I know. So let's let's just close with the text here. It says that they cast off anchors, verse 40 there, and they're headed toward the sea, uh, or headed toward the shore. It says the force, they made the foresail to the wind. They made for the beach. Uh, I'll pick up pace here a little bit. But striking a reef, it says they ran the vessel aground. Verse 41, the bow stuck and it remained immovable. And the stern was being broken up by the surf. It's just rough waters right here. The soldier's plan, verse 42 of Acts 27, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. Paul was a prisoner. Lest any of them should swim away and escape. You say, why would they do that? Well, if a prisoner escaped, who got killed? The soldier did, right? So it was your life for theirs. So if they escape, you're going to be killed. So they realize that that's why they don't want any of that to happen. But verse 43 is a reminder that God is faithful and still in control. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. Why? Because there's a God who's greater than the centurion. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And then verse 44, it says, And the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that, what? All were what? Brought safely to land. Wow. You know what I've noticed? Um, I, I don't know what it looks like if you have uh, actual physical Bible. Maybe you could see it. Uh, I'm not sure how clear this is on the screen, but I'll, I'll try to bring your attention to it. This is uh, one of the older Bibles I had, and so the text kind of fit together. I want to make this point. So interestingly enough, if you look in Acts chapter 27, I have this heading in my Bible there. It says, um, the storms at sea. If you come further in Acts chapter 27, it says the shipwreck. I don't know what kind of headings your Bible has, but maybe it has some headings like that. And then down here at the bottom of chapter 28, it says Paul arrives at Rome. And I thought, man, 
how helpful might it be for me if in the midst of Acts chapter 27, in the midst of chapter 27 of my life, I could look forward to chapter 28 and see next May that there is at least a passing grade next to that Greek class? Like, what kind of peace might that bring me right now? Some of you, what if you could look right now in the midst of your chapter 27, you could see chapter 28, and it's just this simple heading, marriage survives. What if some of you, in the midst of a chapter 27 right now, you are praying for someone you love and care about, for them to experience the love and grace and mercy of Christ. And in chapter 28, you just see this picture next to them was dead, but is alive, was lost, and now is found. What difference might that make in a chapter 27 in the midst of the storm? Man, what a beautiful moment. And so what I want to close with is where we kind of started. Paul's words to Timothy in his final letter. I fought the, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have what? Kept the faith. Henceforth, listen to what he says here. He looks forward to the chapter 28 to come. Listen to this. Henceforth, there is now in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You say, well, of course he will. That's a great apostle Paul, but he doesn't finish there. And not only to me, but to what? All who have loved or longed for his appearing. Paul says in the midst of the times when it is difficult in those storms of life, we must, brothers and sisters, beloved this morning, we must look forward to the life to come. We must look forward to the future chapter 28 when we will stand on that blessed shore, when we will cross over from this life unto the next. And I want you and I to know there's but one ship that will take you there. There's but one ship that will hold in the midst of that storm. It's the cross of Christ. It is the one thing that will allow you passage from this life into the presence of God for all eternity. Why? Because on the cross, there wasn't simply a man dying. There was a man that was dying and taking God's judgment for your sin and mine. He willingly laid down his life. And he paid it in full. Declaring from the cross, it is finished. And God declared, I'm satisfied as he raised his son up from the dead on the third day. That son is now seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That when you come into his presence, you may be accepted and adopted as indeed his child. And the good news is the gospel says that happens here and now. Satan will tell you to wait till tomorrow or wait till later in life. No, God's word says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. God says, I want you in my family today, here and now. Would you respond to the gospel? Would you acknowledge, God, I'm not good enough? I've made a mess, Lord. There's been a lot of shipwrecks in my life. God says, I know that, and yet I still love you. I still sent my son for you, to rescue you, because you could never make it to me. I came to you. I love you. I sent my son for you. Yes, in the midst of your sin. Yes, in the midst of where you've been. Yes, I know all of that. And I love you. And my son paid the penalty in full for that. Would you come and receive and believe on my son? Man, it's the gospel. For those in the midst of storms today, I think the text reminds us it's okay to be honest with God. God, why have you forgotten me? God, I feel like my hope's gone. Right now, though, might this morning, despite your feelings, despite your emotions, despite your test results, or despite the empty chairs that are coming this week, might there just be a moment where you said, God, like that man in Mark 9, 
Lord, I do believe. My faith is faltering. Lord, please help me overcome my unbelief. You see, I think the beautiful moment of Acts 27 is, is when we answer the question, where is your faith? It's not how big and strong your faith is, but it's how big and strong the God that your faith is in. When we can answer that question, who's our God, we'll know where our faith truly is. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you know all things, Lord, that you have all authority in heaven and earth. I pray right now for, God, there are are many here, some that I'm aware of, others that I have no clue about that are in absolutely storms. And, Father, they they have been shipwrecked, and they're not sure if they're going to make it to shore. Some of them have probably given up hope. They feel like their faith is really faltering. God, I pray that this morning will be a reminder from the text that you didn't give up on Paul, you didn't give up on Luke, and you won't give up on us. Father, I pray you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit just as you spoke. You sent your angel to Paul. You may not send an angel, but God, you have given us your word. And it reminds us that you will never leave us or forsake us. That, lo, you are with us always to the very end of the age. Father, may you speak today to your children that are struggling. Father, for those that are apart from you, I do hope and pray, God, that they would realize they stand separated from you because of their sin. And to realize that the only thing that can save and spare them is the Son, your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, open our eyes. Let us see Jesus. Finally, Lord, I pray a collective prayer that you would strengthen the faith of your people. Strengthen our faith, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, we would love to pray with you, pray for you. Um, I encourage you. If you're struggling this morning, you're not alone. Most everybody's been in those moments. Would you come this morning, just bow on your knee, maybe before the Lord, and saying, God, my face weak. I'm struggling. I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. God, I can't even really answer the question.